Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon, and this is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to Scale Your Sales Podcast. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn Sales as one of 15 innovating influencers to follow. In today's episode of Scale Your Sales Podcast, my guest talks about her experience and her career trajectory into sales leadership. And it was extremely thought-provoking hearing about the decisions that she made. We talked about how failure is, is feedback and what she's learned um, going forward and really how she's paying that forward to bringing on um, new people into her team. We also talked about the importance of fuel and retention and how that's changing the dynamics of the team and the information that they give the the different characters, users, buyers of their customers to make sure that they get that whole relationship right and and share the value of of the product and and the software product that they're selling. So you're going to love this conversation. My next guest is Colorado-based mum, wife, tenured sales leader with a non-linear career path. She previously helped Zoom scale from $50 million to $4 billion in revenue. She also served as the head of sales for Milio, led new business and expansion sales at SendGrid, now Trello, and various other startup teams within Intuit. She's currently the VP of Commercial Sales and Outreach. So welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Alison Baber. Thank you so much, Janice. It's great to be here. Uh, it's uh, fantastic to speak to you finally. It was this time last year that we actually met in person at the Outreach Women in Sales Summit in in Napa, which was amazing. I met incredible people like yourself. So I've been kind of floating around you online for quite some time now. So it's a real honor to have you. Well, it's an honor to be here. And that was such a wonderful conference and agreed. Met so many people in the industry, women that I had never met before and connected with. And so um, or a year later, it's full circle moment. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, there needs to be more opportunities um, like that, this for women to, to connect. And it was really great at the event. People took initiative to do different things. There was a, a LinkedIn in page. You know, when you get women together, you know, we, we kind of run with it, don't we? <laughs> we want to stay connected. I do agree. Yeah. And I think it's always just so nice to meet other people that are in your shoes or that have similar experiences or that can relate to what you're going through. So it was, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. I always find when I'm on either hosting um, panels or on panels, when you open it up to the, it's always um, what comes through is that people think they are alone going through the moments that they go through that are real challenging and the benefit of of bringing people together that are in the minority that you you realize that you know everyone else in the room has had the same experience you know you're no longer the only and I think that's really important for confidence building because there are not enough women like yourself in leadership positions 
that have control of their own career and, and destiny. So what have you done in your career? I know that, you know, your career has spanned chemical engineering and <laughs> medical sales, technical sales, advisory roles. What has kind of kept you going in what is quite a challenging career? What's the thing that you think that you could advice you could give to others or, or things that you've learned that have kept you going? Oh, gosh, what a great question, Janice. And, and you're absolutely right on the minority. I just wanted to talk about that really quickly, because um, I think if you if you're in the minority, sometimes you feel like, what am I going to teach others? What can I possibly say that somebody would want to hear from me about? And I think when when you're in a group of other like minded people or others who are in a similar situation and just hearing them say, you know, same or yes, I've been there, too, or experienced that, too, just is so to your point about confidence building. It just gives you the energy to keep going or realize that you're not alone. And and so um, so it was just, yeah, it's just a wonderful experience to be able to do that. But from from my career standpoint, you know, it's just been interesting. I think um, I like to say I'm somewhat of a glutton for a challenge. I love to be challenged. I love to grow um, and just continue to develop my skill set. I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn and read different books and learn from different people. And, you know, I. I once thought I had to or wanted to be an expert in a certain field, um, which is why I went into chemical engineering, you know, maybe. Um, and then I realized that's maybe not for me a little bit too late in university. Um, and I, I did that for a few years out of out of school and then went into medical sales. And I was selling to optometrists and ophthalmologists um, and almost thought I wanted to go back and, and be an optometrist at one point. Um, because I really like getting that expertise or mastery component. And then um, I was living in San Francisco at the time. And what better place to get into tech sales than living in Silicon Valley? And I really missed camaraderie. I really missed having that office environment that I could go to and really get to know my coworkers and, and maybe go out to a happy hour afterwards or really get to know the individuals. And I was just really tired of going to all of Northern California by myself. Um, and so I think what's really kept me going is just Believing in my gut feeling when I feel like, okay, I've reached my maximum capacity with what I want to learn in this area. Um, and what, you know, what could I do differently that would maybe, you know, have transferable skills or where I could make an impact in a positive way? Um, as I continue to move up in my career, I started to really change my perspective in terms of or really understand, I think, what I wanted to learn and who I wanted to learn from. And I think that's really helped to make my decisions um, as I you know, became a leader and then as I became a senior leader after and a head of sales and a VP, it really um, has changed my perspective in terms of not just wanting to do a role, but who did I want to learn from? Who did I want to work with? What type of company did I want to work for? And not only um, what could I bring to the table, hopefully, and what, how can I make an impact within that organization? But what was I hoping to get from that? Um, and that's really helped to to keep me motivated, I think, throughout the throughout the journey, just being honest with myself and knowing when it was time to leave and look for something different, too. I think that's a really interesting um, point and a great lesson to others that are listening to this, because you're you know, you're not just being interviewed, you're interviewing them. Are they the right fit? Are they going to give you what you need? And and prior to that, it's been clear about what you need, what you want out, out of the role. So it's about 
doing some research before and kind of sitting with yourself and understanding where the gaps are that you need to fill and who's going to help you to do that and also having a goal about where you want to be um, in your career and you're in the driving seat of that so I think that's a a really great lesson to to other people that you don't just jump from one to the other and also I interview a few um, recruiters as as well Mm. and they I often recruit the same person into the same role Um, Mm. and you know everyone wants to play it safe it's quite a risky thing in recruitment how how have you what's been your experience in 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 that arena have have people wanting to push you back into somewhere you're coming from rather than where you want to go what what have you found oh gosh what a what a great question and i think it's a little bit of like both of those sides it's a little bit of me wanting to play it safe and i think women tend to do this too where we want to cross every single box and then some before we make a, a change or before we really feel confident in our abilities and I was working for a company um, nearly five years and I loved the company. My blood still runs thick for that product. And it was a really great experience, but I got to the point where I felt like I was doing a very similar role, leading a team of over 70 people than I was doing when I was leading a team of roughly 12. And I just felt like I wasn't really continuing to grow my skill set. I wasn't continuing to develop. I got to the point where, um, for better or worse, sometimes I look back and, and think, why did I leave? Because I was bored. Like it, sometimes it sounds nice to want to be bored again. But um, I, I got to the point where I just wanted to continue to grow. And I had I wasn't looking for anything new, um, candidly, but uh, someone approached me. You know, we really want to hire someone that maybe hasn't done this before, that can come in with a fresh perspective, that is really learning, wanting to learn and grow and stretch and um, take feedback. And I was at that company for just over a year. Um, there, there was a, a huge layoff, and, and that's part of the reason why I left. They were changing strategy direction at the company, but I learned more in that year, I think, at, at a new company than I learned almost. It felt like in five years at the the other company. And for me, I think someone took a chance on me to get into sales from chemical engineering. Someone took a chance on me to get into tech sales from medical sales. Uh, someone took a chance on me to to be a head of sales as, you know, a director or, you know, leading a, a segment. And so I try to pay that forward and give someone a chance if they have, you know, eight out of 10 of the boxes that we're looking to fill, if they have the drive and the motivation, you know, to want to do more or to want to think bigger. Um, I think for me, it's about taking that chance on yourself and taking the chance on someone else, too. And it can be a little challenging, I think, when, when um, you're not exactly 100% sure of what to do to be successful. But that, to some extent, drives me also. You know, if I was doing the same thing all day, every day, I wouldn't necessarily think creatively or out of the box, or maybe I wouldn't get those, you know, moments of life that I was looking for. So um, I think it is easy to, when you're a hiring manager, especially when the stakes are high, to want to make sure that you have everyone that checks or someone that checks every single box. But then I think back to myself being bored in my role and why I left. And I wouldn't want someone to be in a role for six months or a year and feel like they're bored or they're not getting that challenge that maybe they were looking for. So I think just being very clear with what you're looking for in a candidate and trying to uncover the things that they're looking for so that there's a good match um, is really what I try to do. Yeah. 
I think, again, some in incredible points. It's have, you know, as you say, women probably will not go for a role if they can't check off, at, you know, the majority of, of things on the list. And we know from the research that men go for a role if they can check off one or two. That's fine. And it's interesting that, you know, the actual mindset, there isn't, it isn't a positive or negative, but actually, if you think you, I'm growing into a role, you need to not to be able to do half of those things on the list. Otherwise, there's nowhere for you to grow. That is the point. Um, and so I think we need to start for women, start reframing what this whole uh, recruitment and promotion is all about, because we seem to be missing the point yes. <laughs> that you want to grow into a role. So you need to not to be able to do it, but you need to be able to work it out. That's the thing that we need to be recruiting for. Is this person coachable? Is this person, you know, someone that uh, likes to stretch within a role? Have they done something that is similar so they can transition? Um, but, you know, you're not going to be able to have done the same thing on, on, on the list. So um, I love also uh, what, what you said uh, about kind of having to have a talk with yourself as, as well, because you're not going to be comfortable. And as much as you want to stretch, you still need to talk yourself. In. Yes, it is tough sometimes to think back and say, like, OK, I can't wait to look back and see how far I've come. I think when you're in it, it can feel really intimidating. It can feel really um, at sometimes painful, for lack of a better word, because you are stretching so much. But just like in the physical sense of stretching, there should be a little bit of discomfort in that, you know, it shouldn't be to the point of like physical pain or, or you know, long term injury. But I think if you're doing the right things and you're, you're stretching yourself in the right ways, the, the skill sets that you're learning in the, um, the lessons that you're learning from that can be really impactful. And it's challenging when you're in the situation to to believe that. But um, really rewarding to have those, you know, experiences that do push me and force me to think about things differently and to grow outside of my own experiences, too, and really learn from from others. I think one of the things um, that's related is I became a leader. Um, gosh, I've been a sales leader now for probably 12 or 13 years. And um when I first became a leader, I thought I had to know all of the answers. I became really nervous. Like, how was I going to get to answer everything for someone on my team? And what I realized was we don't really need to have all of the answers, but we need to be able to help uh, steer someone in the right direction to find the answers on their own. Or we need to remove the barriers from them to um, and find the answers from maybe another team or another person internally, or maybe even from someone in our network. And I think I have to remember that when I'm in that phase of learning, too, to not put so much pressure on myself to feel like I have to have all of the answers that I can lean in and ask others or I can ask others for their, um, you know, their advice or their their knowledge or their learnings or, you know, things like that. And I think when sometimes when we're in a, a place of growth, it's hard to do that because maybe we don't, at least for myself, um, I don't necessarily want to ask for help or I'm afraid to admit that I may not know how to do everything. And so when I feel like that, I just try to get back to my first very first leader and have empathy with myself that I don't have to have all of the answers or that, you know, we're all still figuring out, especially mm. figuring things out, especially when things are uncertain for a lot of people. So 
Yeah, anyway, I, I think also to your your point that um, when you were in a role, you decided to change role and then they were downsizing. But actually, you learn in that year more than you had in the, the previous five years. So even when things don't go to plan, there are often yeah. that's where your greatest growth is. So you kind of need to just go with it and, you know, trust your yeah, instincts absolutely. that you're going to come out the other end. You're absolutely right. And really what that showed me was, okay, here's even more information now that I have that shows me which direction I want to go into, what I was missing in that one year that I was there that maybe I wanted to get back to, or what I learned in that year that now I wanted to continue to to leverage moving forward. And it just reinforced um, some of those beliefs that I had, or maybe you know, instilled some new beliefs that I didn't know that I had either. It really helped me to focus in on an industry that I wanted to work in, really helped me to focus on like a sales motion that I really missed. Um, I, I realized that I loved the transactional side of the business, but I really missed those longer tail, more strategic deals as well. Um, and that just to the next place where I needed to be. So I'm a firm believer that, you know, there really aren't mistakes unless you don't learn from them. And every bit of information along your journey is just really helping you to get to the next place and, and really helping you to get to where you're meant to be. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It, I don't think if, I mean, you can look at it as a learning versus a mistake or, you know, um, just more information that you can add to your, to your arsenal. I think it help people that are maybe in a similar situation right now, not feeling like maybe they made the wrong decision or they're not in a spot that fits right for them. Um, for me, I just, kept thinking like this is just going to get me even closer to where I'm meant to be moving forward. I completely I think everything every experience we have we're meant to have it's meant to lead us somewhere there's something we need to learn there's something we need to see and we don't always know when we're in it but then when you look back and you think had I not learned that I couldn't do this. Yes so, or had that you know, not happened to me I wouldn't be here and sometimes it all fits in to the right place. Yeah. Beautifully. Yes. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about um, outreach. Now, I know that you're spearheading retention renewals effort. Tell me more about how that came about and what you're doing and what we can learn from that. Oh, great. It's, you know, another opportunity for me to stretch my skill sets candidly. I um, so I'm the VP of commercial sales. My segment, I guess, is responsible for working with customers anywhere from one employee to 1,500 employees, so quite a, a large span there. And um, the buying motions are all very different. So we also um, work with new logos, so net new customers to outreach existing customers and looking to expand our presence within those customers, and then also uh, retention and renewals. And like most companies right now, when um, – when things are taking a bit of a turn, I think, or just look a little bit different in the tech industry, a lot of companies turn to their retention and renewals efforts and really thinking about what that looks like. Um, and so I learned a lot in terms of when, when and how do we go about renewals? Um, if, for example, if you're only reaching out to, to someone 30 days before their renewal to say your renewal is coming up in 30 days, like, you know, let us know if there's anything you can do that ship has already sailed. You've missed the mark. Um, you haven't been adding value throughout the entire year. So in my mind, re renewals uh, and the retention motion starts as soon as that contract is signed. It starts as soon as the, the handoff from the account executive to the account management team or the account executive to the customer success 
or the, the account executive to the implementation team, however it looks at your organization, that customer experience and that customer journey and the retention um, and the renewal starts upon day one. Um, so I think just trying to think about our entire customer lifecycle journey now is really important to this process, really making sure that we have the right people involved in the renewal process, not only on the on our side, on the company side, but also on the customer side. We've seen a huge shift uh, in the past year um, or more, potentially, just in terms of who's doing the buying, who's involved in the buying process, even if they weren't the initial person that signed the contract or that really made the decision for the software, we're seeing involved in that renewal. And so you need to make sure that you're adding value across not only the people that are the end users of your software, but everyone else that's involved in that renewal from you know, the CEO or the CFO or the CRO or the VP of sales, or um, at least in our instance, like really just um, figuring out who are the end users and how are they fitting into the renewal? And then who are the people that are actually making the decision? And that's been a learning too. Um, a lot of companies now are just really looking at their spend differently, making sure that they don't have redundant tools that do a very similar motion. And when interest rates were low and money was seemingly free, I think it was really common for companies to choose a tool that did, you know, maybe one or two things that they really wanted it to do and another one that did one or two things that they wanted it to do, even though they were really similar. And what we're seeing is um, an effort to really be more efficient and thoughtful with the spend, making sure that um, software isn't just sitting on the shelf, not being used or not used, you know, by the right teams. And then, you know, finally, I think we're seeing a consolidation effort out there as well. Um, when I worked at another company, that was really our main play was consolidation. Um, it's a really well-known company, and maybe you know it for one or two products, but we had a suite of products that we really tried to get as many uh, tools into the consolidation stack as we could to save the customers money, to make it a more efficient process internally. And I think we're starting to see that shift in a lot of different areas in tech. Um, with that, though, it can make the, the renewal conversation a little bit more challenging because it's not as simple as, OK, let's sign up for another year or things are going really well. You really have to communicate the value throughout that entire um, contract term and not only the, um, communicate the current value that they're seeing, but what's the future value that they're going to see? How can we um, help out across the organization? Are there other tools that we can consolidate or bring value to uh, other teams. So trends I think that, that we're starting to see um, and that I'm hearing from my peers as well. I love this. I mean, I, I would imagine it's been a reassessment of who is the customer, you know, the user, all of that, and really understanding what their needs are and what information they need from you in order to make that decision about renewal, because each of those different characters in play want different things. They want to see different things. So has that actually changed what information you give out, not only when, but to who? and the type of information and, you know, how they receive it. Yeah, I think, it's, I mean, it's a really great point and a question. I think it's um, it's no longer enough to make sure or to see if someone is actually using a product. Instead, I think it's we need to take it a step further and show them the value that they're seeing, making sure that they're actually leveraging it as efficiently and as effectively as they can into their day-to-day -day workflow. We need to really increase the stickiness of our products and making sure that it's a, you know, can't live without product versus a nice to have product. Um, and I think that 
that's a multifaceted approach within a company. Also, it's it's no longer only the role and responsibility of a customer success team or an account executive. Um, it's uh, you know cross functional from the sense of you know marketing helping to market to existing customers instead of just top of the funnel and product to make uh, making sure that our product team is making a you know a tool and a solution that our customers want to love and they want to continue to use and that they see different opportunities to leverage that within you know their entire workflow for example so i think um i think things are changing but in a very positive way and it's getting buyers to think about things differently um but i think different can be really great in a lot of ways too but we're um again when things are challenging it just forces you to look at things a little bit differently and um and i think become a lot more effective in that in that process too yeah love it love it you mentioned uh customer experience so in your experience to what extent does customer experience impact the sale um i think i think customer experience are you talking about it from like a a position and a title or just like a, a broader a more broad care i'm talking about in terms of how your buyer experiences mm -hmm. working with with you as an organization and all the different functions and and how your customer once they become a experiences working with you how does that impact the renewal um mm -hmm. or the referral or the you know new sales what's what's the relationship between the two it's a really great question. I think the customer experience is, again, it's a it's a part of the entire customer lifecycle journey from the initial reaction with the sales development representative, or even before that, from a marketing, uh, from marketing or any kind of information that they would maybe find out about your company online. Um, then how they interact with the sales development representative, the timeliness of communications, the quality of the communications, the quality of the experience that they have. Then the buyer journey. Um, I think it's also interesting. Like we have customer success um, people, but we don't necessarily have buyer success people. Maybe it's a rebrand for account executives, but I think now buyers are looking for more of that upfront to really help them through that process. Instead of no one ever really wants to be sold, but people like to buy. It's an old adage that you know I've heard for many years now, but I think that's even more true now. People are afraid to buy something that's not going to be as effective or it's really not going to meet their needs when budgets are so scarce or where they really need to be effective and so creating that customer experience throughout the entire sales process throughout the post sales process throughout the entire um uh time that that customer is with you as a company i think uh there are so many different places to really positively or negatively impact that customer i think if you're um, not looking at certain things from an empathetic standpoint and not really working with the customer through some of their difficult times can put you in a really challenging position moving forward. If you're not um, taking feedback, you know, or um, really hearing how, you know, how you can improve as a company from your customer's uh, perspective, I think it'll just continue to to put companies at a, at a um, just at a, a different advantage maybe than some of their competitors. So I think it's customer experience now takes on a completely different lens. Um, and it's not just one point in the journey and it's not just a support team. Uh, it's not just a customer success person. It's, you know, someone across, it's, it's really, you know, making sure that you're touching customers in the right way for, throughout that customer journey. Um, when I was at a different company, we 
had a motto uh, called delivering happiness. And that was really how every single team made their decisions. We, we really leveraged that motto in the best possible way to know that marketing was going to be doing everything that they were doing to deliver happiness to our customers, you know, from the top of funnel and after the fact. We knew that our customer support team and our product and engineering teams were going to be, um, you know, having that delivering happiness motto in mind when they were building amazing products or really having minimal downtime so that our customers would always have, you know, the happiness and that they would get from our products. So I think we're seeing a, a pivot maybe or a shift in that customer experience to um, to continue to just look at it differently across an entire organization. I love that example. Absolutely fantastic. Now, Alison, who is your hero or shero? <laughs> um, it's a really great question. And I, I, I've gotten this a lot and I, I hear a lot of people reference a famous person or maybe someone that's deceased from history that they never got a chance to meet. But for me, um, and it may sound a little cliche, but, but really it's there, it, my hero and my shero are, are my mom and dad. Um, really instilled in me such a strong work ethic I think from my very young days we I grew up in a blue-collar area in Northeast Ohio um, but it was always instilled in me that I would you know go to college that I could do or be whatever I wanted um, I went to university like five hours away from home I, I haven't lived at home for or I haven't been back to my hometown I guess or lived in my hometown for over half of my life now my parents really supported me in, in my decisions to move away when I um, when I graduated, move completely across the country to San Francisco. They always knew that um, that I wanted to do more, that I that I needed to leave our our hometown area to to be able to do more. And so I think now that I'm a parent, really understanding like some of the the selflessness that that was, I think the support that they've given me um, throughout my my life, the, the tough love, honestly, that they gave me in some ways to say, you know, sorry, we're not paying for you or tough, we're not paying for you to change your major your senior year, even though you don't love chemical engineering, I think just got me to where I, I am today. And it's really helped to build some of that resilience um, in me and also just some of the, the grit that I think um, I've needed, but I learned that. So, um, yeah, I guess my mom and dad. So how are you passing that on to your children? You're a mom, so, you know, busy life. How does yeah. that pass on? Um, I think, you know, I'm, I hope I'm doing as, as best of a job as I can. I think as a parent, there's always something that you wish that you could have done differently or maybe that you question, are you doing the right things? I think for me, um, I'm just trying to show them that you can – have a successful career and still show up and, and be present for them at home. So I really try to have boundaries around work where when I'm, when they're around after school and when we have dinner and family time that I'm in there for them, I do have to hop on my computer or my laptop sometimes after they go to bed or, you know, things like that sometimes on the weekend. But I, I really do try to make sure that my family time is my family time and I'm there for them. Um, I really also try to explain the why, like, why am I traveling? Why am I doing this? Um, and get them excited about that versus, you know, being only disappointed that that mom's not there all the time. Um, and I'm also very fortunate to have a, a supportive uh, partner and, and husband that helps me 
out. I think it, it can be really challenging if you're trying to do, do it all and you don't have a strong support, um, whether that's family or friends or a spouse. I couldn't do this alone. And so um, I think it's hopefully instilling in my children that they can ask for help, <laughs> that they can't do everything alone and they can still chase their dreams, even if it looks maybe a little bit differently than than what they'd want. I love this. It's brought it full circle. So how can listeners get hold of you, Alistair? Um, I, I'm pretty present on LinkedIn. I think more than any other social media <laughs> network, I'm, I'm more active on LinkedIn than anywhere else these days. Um, I'm always open to, you know, a virtual coffee or, or a meeting. Um, I love to learn from others. Um, I would love to get, yeah, just get connected with LinkedIn if, if anyone's open to, to a conversation. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast. You didn't disappoint. I've learned loads. Thank you so much for sharing all your experience and and knowledge. I know you've helped so many people. So thank you, Alison Baber. Well, it was really wonderful, Janice. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And yeah, I can't wait to connect again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.